The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law, and also the prophets. Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. But Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. In the book of Genesis, when the patriarch Jacob was traveling, there came a night where he rested under the open sky. And during that night, he had a dream, a remarkable dream, in which he saw a golden ladder extending from heaven to earth and earth to heaven. And the Lord on top of that ladder and ascending and descending on that ladder of gold, the angels of God. And waking the next morning, he erected an altar, he prayed, and he named the place Bethel, house of God, saying this area truly is the house of God, the very gate of heaven. We begin speaking of that because Jesus references the dream of Jacob as he speaks to Bartholomew who we hear today has a second name there's a lot of double naming in scripture you are Simon but I will call you Peter you start as Saul but now you are Paul and then there's this pro this apostle Bartholomew in some of the gospels Nathaniel in the others and here the Lord looks at Nathaniel Bartholomew, and says to him, you will see. And in speaking this way, Jesus is saying something important. It's not going to be a dream. You are going to encounter a reality. This will not be a mere vision. You will see heaven opened. 
And you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Note how remarkable that is. Because Jesus is saying here, you will encounter a reality more full, more real, than what Jacob saw in a dream. And you will see that in a certain sense, that ladder of gold upon which the angels of God ascend and descend is me. You will see that I am that one who bridges heaven and earth. And the grace and the goodness and the mercy of heaven flow down on this ladder, which is me. The implication then also being that if Jacob woke from his dream and said, truly, this is the house of God, the very gate of heaven, a fuller house is being made now by Jesus Christ. And that true house of God, that true gate of heaven, is the Lord himself. How absolutely remarkable, and note how well that prepares us to consider our first reading, which speaks of a city with gates. A city coming down from heaven itself. And note that the glorious city, the bride of the Lamb, that one that the Lord takes and makes his very own, that one to whom the Lord unites himself, is not an earthly people, the product of an earthly nation but a people that comes from heaven, a city that comes not from earth, but from heaven. This is the very essence of the church. We are gathered in from the nations of the world into a new people that has no earthly origin, but a heavenly origin, an origin in the mind and the plan of Almighty God. And so note that curious detail that reverses the expected order of things. We live in time where before comes before, after, right? And so what happens earlier is what comes first. And yet we see here that in this city, what happens later in time actually comes first. We hear that the gates in the 12 walls of the city have the names of the tribes of Israel, the children of Jacob, the people of the old law, the people of the former covenant. But a wall has to sit on a foundation. The foundation comes first. And what are the foundation stones of the walls? The 12 apostles. Later in time, much later in time, in terms of the call that Jesus extends to those 12 men, and yet prior in the plan of God. It is not so much that the church is founded on Israel. Israel of old is founded on the church. The governments of the old law have their meaning because they look ahead to the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation. Christ is the fulfillment of all things. All things are ordered to Christ, especially all things in the plan of God. So even though the Lord comes late in time, 
He is the foundational principle upon which everything is built. And so it is. The people of the old law is called, is formed, is shaped, and taught because the Lord is moving toward the people of the new law. How marvelous that is. And that's not to say that what came before is meaningless. It is to simply say it has its full meaning, its full value, only in the light of that which completes it, of that to which it leads. And so it is this glorious and marvelous people, this glorious and marvelous city, the church, adorned with the fullness of grace and goodness, the church which becomes the fountain of the streams of living water for the world, the church, the new people, the new city, well-ordered with strong walls and gates through which salvation can move to the world and through which the many of all the nations can enter and find a home. And yet all of it found it upon the 12 stones of the apostles. How absolutely remarkable and important. And so here Jesus is designating to Bartholomew, one of those 12 he has chosen to be a founding stone for what is truly the house of God and gate of heaven the church he has come to establish, the church that will continue his work, the church that will be his very body. How absolutely wonderful, more than Jacob's dream, you will encounter. And why does he say this to Bartholomew? Because in this curious moment of Bartholomew being brought by Philip to Jesus, where Philip comes to him and says, we have found the one, and note again, we found the one that Moses was speaking about in the past. And note the implication, the speaking of Moses, the teaching of Moses, the covenant of Moses looks beyond itself to one who in time comes later but who is the real meaning, the real completion, the real fulfillment, the reason for that speaking that happens in the past. And not just Moses, but the prophets also spoke about somebody. And that one individual about whom all of Scripture speaks, we have found him. What a remarkable statement that is. This is not Philip saying to Nathaniel, we found a really holy man. This is not Philip saying, we found a great teacher. This is not Philip saying, you should see the miracles this guy does. Note what he said. We have found the one about whom Moses was speaking the fullness of everything Moses said points to him. We have found the one about whom all the prophets spoke. That is an enormous statement 
that Philip makes about Jesus. And then he says, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And you can almost imagine poor Bartholomew sitting there saying, oh my, you really found the guy? And then you hear it, he's from Nazareth. You know, that would be like saying, and it was Joseph from Massapequa. No offense to anybody from Massapequa. But that, that whole sense, like, wait, wait, you mean to tell me and he's not even from Jerusalem? You mean to tell me he's from that part of the Holy Land that no prophet ever came from? No one comes from Galilee. He doesn't come from the center of worship. He comes from Nazareth. What a remarkable and understandable reaction on the part of Bartholomew. Note he's not close-minded, but he's puzzled. He's puzzled. The one we're expecting was supposed to come from Bethlehem and Jerusalem and all these other places. It's Nazareth. You're giving me Nazareth. And yet, he moves at Philip's invitation, come and see. And note how carefully Philip responds, how gently Philip responds. He doesn't try to convince his friend. He simply says, you have to see for yourself. And so come. And so come. If you truly want to meet that one, about whom Moses spoke. If you want to meet that one about whom the prophets spoke, then you must come and see him. Because there's no other option. There's not another guy. Marvelously, however, we who hear these words know that Jesus is not merely from Nazareth. We know he was born in Bethlehem. But we know something else. We know he's not from Bethlehem either. He's from heaven. And so note now here as the Lord speaks to Nathanael and he says to him, You've got more than a guy from Nazareth in front of you. You will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Oh, yes, I'm from Nazareth. But that's not the whole story. I am from heaven itself. And so it is that as Bartholomew comes forward in his puzzlement and his curiosity and his desire to see, that the Lord sees him as he arrives, as if he's been waiting for him. And he sees him approach, and as soon as he sees him, and as soon, basically as soon as the Bartholomew is within earshot, as soon as he is able to hear his voice, Jesus speaks. 
Notice Jesus takes the initiative. He doesn't even let Philip introduce his friend. We don't get to see that moment of when Philip brought Bartholomew and said, Jesus, I'd like you to meet my buddy. He's a good man. I told him all about you. Notice we don't see any of that. They don't even get to Jesus. And the word of Christ seeks Bartholomew. Because Jesus is looking for him. How absolutely marvelous this initiative of Christ is. Here is a true son of Israel, which is a remarkable statement from the lips of Jesus, who, as we see in the Gospels, runs into all kinds of trouble from the sons of Israel. There is no guile, no duplicity about him. He's not a deceitful man. He speaks truly. Even if he doesn't always know the truth, he speaks truly. And Bartholomew says, how do you know me, Lord? How do you know me? We, we, you know, no, again, no, we've only just met. I haven't even told you my name. How do you know me? And again, Bartholomew is thinking, we're just meeting now. Note this reversal again. We're meeting now. Getting to know one another happens after we meet. And Jesus says, oh, I've known you for a long time. Note again. Note again. On the one hand, they're only just meeting. On the other hand, the Lord says, I've had my eye on you. From before Philip found you. Note, before Philip said a word to you about me, I saw you. What a, mar what a marvelous statement that is. We reflect on that too little about the way the Lord knows us. Before any of us has ever come to him or turned to him or called upon him, he's seen us. He's seen us. Before Jacob had his dream, the Lord saw Bartholomew. Before Moses brought the law down from Mount Sinai or the prophets spoke, he saw Bartholomew. Just like before all those things happened, he saw you and me. How marvelous this is. I saw you under the fig tree. We don't know exactly what that means. Christian preachers, holier men than me, have been reflecting on this for hundreds and hundreds of years. We don't know exactly what the fig tree means. But we know it's significant enough to Bartholomew that he can say, you are the Son of God and the King of Israel. You are that one. Because there's something about that statement that touches the core of who this man is. And when he hears Jesus say, I know you in this way, and I have known you in this way, 
all he can do is acknowledge, you are the one. You are the one for whom I have been waiting. You are the one for whom we have all been looking. You are the one of whom Moses spoke. You are the one about whom the prophets spoke. And Jesus says, and if you marvel at my knowing you, you will see even greater things than that. And you will be a part of them. When we say that our church is apostolic, we are not saying something small. And we are not saying something merely accidental. We are speaking of the way the Lord knew what he was going to do from the very foundation of the world, from the very beginning. In fact, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden before the Lord sent them out from Eden toward the east he made them new garments of leather and fig leaves I saw you under the fig tree when I had chosen to save the world, I saw you. How marvelous, how marvelous that he sees us that same way. And because he saw Bartholomew, we get to be here. Note how wonderful that is. Because Bartholomew, whom he saw under the fig tree, is one of the 12 stones upon which he founds his people one of the 12 great apostles that he sends out into the world to announce the message of salvation to all of those others that he saw under the fig tree before Philip ever spoke to his friend. And in just a few minutes, we're going to come forward like Bartholomew did, or Nathaniel, whatever you want to call him, but we're going to come forward to that same Jesus Christ. But don't be surprised if, as you walk forward to receive the Lord in Holy Communion that you hear him greet you while you're on the way. Be attentive to that. Be attentive to that. And as you extend your hand and as you receive him, marvel at how well he knows you, and hear him say to you, and there are still greater things for you to see and to be involved in. Amen.